First in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. And as the great Bob Grant said many moons ago when I was listening to talk radio, <laughs> oh my God, that's a lot of moons ago, he said, and let's be heard. Boy, is that more important than ever before. And to start us off, if you'd like to call in, rant, rave, or spout off, please give me a call at 603-816-1590. You are indeed listening to Spouting Off, which is heard every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern and in points all around the country, both on podcast and elsewhere. You can listen live at WSMN.live. Isn't that great? Listen live at dot .live, WSMN, 1590 AM, 95.3 FM. That opener that we did, uh, having a freedom and a marketplace of ideas, has never, ever been more timely and, uh, shall we say, cogent. I don't know if that's the right word. I've been thinking a lot about free speech lately, and very frankly, I can't understand why people are not, their hair is not on fire. Uh, to believe that this country, that we are now suffering from a kind of censorship and a shutdown, shutting down of dissent and of opinion in the United States of America, the very thing on which our entire country has been built the very thing that is first and foremost under attack by these communist socialists, which you couldn't, you couldn't have communism and socialism without uh, controlling, manipulating, uh, and shutting down dissent. Because people would say, wait, well, well, hold on, wait a minute. You mean I'm not allowed to disagree with you? I'm evil terrible, awful, and dangerous because I have a different opinion. I think differently. Uh, and this is coming from the exact people who've been lecturing us endlessly about diversity. They don't believe in diversity of ideas. Now, I know you've heard me spout off about this before, but it is so fundamental and critical to the survival of our republic that it, it confuses, perplexes, and even to some extent depresses me that people are not screaming bloody murder about it. Matter of fact, along with all the other misinformation going on today, I think a lot of people really are uh, uh, standing up, fighting back. There are protests going on all over the formerly free world against lockdowns, vax mandates, all of this force, authoritarianism, totalitarianism. That's what it is. It doesn't matter what they do it about. It matters that they're employing totalitarian, authoritarian, jackbooted tactics. And they're trying to encourage the dumbest among us to believe that that is okay. Not only is it okay, but it's necessary because now it's not violence and lawlessness and criminality that's a danger to our republic. It's scary ideas. It's disagreement. It's religious faith. It's 
white people, whatever you want to demonize, go ahead and demonize it, call it racist, and then you get to erase it from society. Do you have any idea how dangerous that is? That is a dangerous idea, paradoxically. It's dangerous to think that thoughts and a difference of opinion is dangerous because ideas and thoughts and opinions are different than actions. When you state an opinion, you're stating an opinion. You're not inciting anybody to do anything. You're stating an opinion. But when people engage in violence, that's dangerous. Those are violent actions that deserve the rule of law to be applied to them. Now, the same people that are telling you that ideas are dangerous, words are dangerous, dissent is dangerous, they're giving a complete pass to violence, criminality, and harming innocent citizens. You see how this works? Everything is opposite from what it really is. I guess you could call it a matrix. Nevertheless, once upon a time, we lived in a country that understood implicitly, that understood absolutely how dangerous it is for a country to shut down dissent, for a country to tell you what is and is not allowed to be said. Once upon a time, the left itself was lecturing us about free speech. How about that? The left itself, liberals everywhere, Berkeley, screaming about free speech. Berkeley was the very heart and soul of free speech. Now, those same leftists, all the same liberal leftists, they are the new book burners, ladies and gentlemen. We know it to be true. Why? Because everything has flipped upside down. I just posted a piece, and I'm going to post another one, but if you'd like to go to my website, karencataline.com, I just this morning posted a piece, and I apologize once in a while. I do a bullet point kind of an article, and this one is one that I did just recently. Hang on. Let me pull it up because I can't even remember the names of my pieces because... I have a fairly large library of them. Uh, if you go to the front page of the website, there's lots of new things there. Uh, KarenCataline.com, last name spelled K-A-T-A-L-I-N-E. If you go to the column that says articles on it, uh, you'll see a cute little daisy-filled uh, barefoot young lady, just a pair of feet, with daisies in between the toes and flip-flops. And uh, this is my creative ability to uh, post pictures, creative challenge to post pictures that do not uh, 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 cause any, any uh, copyright problems. So sometimes they are kind of creative. Liberal flip-floppers never stop claiming the moral high ground. Take a look at that article there, and you'll see a whole list. And it's by no means complete, it's not, of what liberals used to be and what they are now. Just as an example, let's see, women, the one I've used a lot, women used to be for, the left used to be for women's sports, remember? Uh, but now they cheer 250-pound men pummeling women in a wrestling ring and destroying the dreams of other women athletes. So there's a whole list of these out there that show that all of a sudden it is the left that are the authoritarians, it is the left that are shutting down speech, and uh, here's among the most heartbreaking things of all. And i got to get to it because I've been dancing around it uh, I was very, very young when I remember these commercials on regular TV touting the value of Radio Free Europe. Remember that? If you're old enough, you remember 
that America was supporting an underground radio in what was known then as the satellite countries of the Soviet Union, countries like Czechoslovakia, Poland, Bulgaria, and others, East Germany, uh, because in those communist countries, people were being fed a steady diet of propaganda to support the state as God, just to put a fine point on it. That, of course, is my editorial opinion. Uh, the state, when the state is big and powerful as it's trying to be in this country and around the world, doesn't want any competition. They don't want competition from God. They don't want competition from differences of opinion. They are threatened by a difference of opinion. They have to force compliance. That's what the loss of freedom is. Forced compliance, robbery of people's rights to live life and make their own decisions as they see fit that don't hurt anyone else. But communist regimes have been hurting people for decades, decades and decades. So Radio Free Europe was, let me just play for you, one of the most poignant commercials from this era. This one happens to be from 1959. And uh, I'm formulating an article to post in the next couple of days about this very thing. Art, let's hear this commercial. How do you get through? The Iron Curtain is not easily crossed. The Iron Curtain is taller than men, stronger than machines. The Iron Curtain runs for thousands of miles across an entire continent. You can't always see it but it is always there. How do you get through? On the other side, there is little freedom. There is less truth. How do you get through with the truth? Radio Free Europe gets through with the truth every day, 18 hours a day, into the closed communist countries of Poland, Czechoslovakia and Hungary, Bulgaria and Romania, go the facts the people are not allowed to hear, the truth. The truth that helps them hold on to the will and the drive for freedom. The truth does get through. The Iron Curtain isn't soundproof. Give to Radio Free Europe. Boy, is that chilling? Now, here's the $64,000 question. Well, before I ask that, and I got a couple of minutes. When Americans heard commercials like that, when I heard them, when I was very, very young, I don't remember the ones from 1959, for heaven's sake, but I do remember uh, some later ones on Radio Free Europe, and I couldn't understand what that is, what that was. Were they giving away a radio? What were they doing? Uh, and then when I got a little older and I realized what Radio Free Europe was and I learned about the satellite countries of the old Soviet Union, that were being controlled, manipulated, and subjugated by Moscow and the Soviet Union. I couldn't imagine living in a country where you couldn't say or think what you want, whatever that is. That doesn't harm anybody to disagree. I mean, my God, as a Jewish person, it's in our genes to debate and disagree. <laughs> As scientists, I'm not a scientist, but science, uh, unlike what we're being told, science is the debate and disagreement and the testing of theorems and trying to come up with alternate ideas and being as open and as innovative as you can. And all of that is getting shut down now. That science means only one thing. Opinion, there's only one right way to think. That is as jackbooted authoritarian as I can think of. And when Americans were hearing this commercial and giving their hard-earned money so that people behind the Iron Curtain, which is what it was called, could get free news, free information, could they ever have imagined that in 2022, it started well before that, Americans would be demonized for having an opposing opinion? 
Americans would be demonized and there there are a a hefty percentage of leftists who believe that people ought to be put in camps if they dare to exercise their own body autonomy and not take an experimental injection. I'm seeing frightening numbers of people who are doing the authoritarian dirty work of these people themselves by being by falling prey to the fear-mongering and the hate and the bigotry and the propaganda that says people who disagree with me are dangerous. Wow. And that allows you to justify all manners of persecution, bigotry, and hate. So basically, the people that have been lecturing us about all of this are guilty of it in spades. They are guilty of bigotry, hate, persecution, book-burning, and censorship. It has never been so obvious that they are on the shakiest ground of all. So uh, I got a quick take a break because we have a we have a, a guest coming up, Karen Cataline. That was a little dark, but you know what? That's how I'm feeling. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt Pure Love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. of spouting off here Karen Cataline with you and uh, we are always here Tuesdays Thursdays at 1 p.m. on uh, 1590 a.m. WSMN and uh, we have a real shift of gears here uh, and I'm about to welcome him right now his name is Bear and when you hear what he's well known for You'll find that it sounds like it's a fitting name for him. I wonder what his real name is. His name is Bear Wozniak. He's a world champion surfer. You're going, wait a minute. What does this have to do with politics and uh, current events? Well, apparently quite a lot. He's a certified ninja black belt and host of EWTN's Deep Adventure radio program and featured on an EWTN reality show special Deep Adventure Quest. Now, get this. The Benedictine Oblate, can't wait to find out what that is, is author of Deep in the Wave, Adventure Guide to Deep Adventure Quest Retreats and a popular conference speaker. Welcome, Bear Wozniak, to Spouting Off here on WSMN. Spouting Off? Aloha, Karen. Yeah, I, I see uh, just earlier today, I look out my window, I see whale, uh, the whales out here. They come into Waikiki about this time of year. And ah. you see a big blow. So I don't know if that's what you mean by spouting off, but yeah. Aloha. No, Good no, to talk no. To you. No, this is spouting off, exercising your First Amendment rights to express yourself. And that's what we do here on WSMN. First, tell me, Bear, you're in Hawaii, are you? Yes. Oh, nice. I, what is a I, Benedictine oblate? 
You know, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I could tell you a lot. A Benedictine oblate is uh, someone who wants to live the, Bene- the Benedictine life, uh, but live it in the, the real world. You know, not not to be a monk uh, at the at the monastery. But I've been connected with the Benedictine monastery here in Oahu, gosh, since I was 19 years old to some degree or other. And I, I went through the process of becoming a Benedictine. It took him 10 years to let me become a Benedictine oblate. And it's kind of, I kind of like the longest white belt, you know, if this was a martial arts pursuit. But it's basically uh-huh. just wanting to live that life of, of uh, in a sense, detachment from, from my own agenda and just wanting to seek the Lord. And there's a com- commitment to so much prayer every day and just, just that, oh. just, a, just a, a beautiful, you know, Benedict wrote the, the rules of St. Benedict, how to live, how to live our lives. And I, I think it's important for people to have a, a code that they live by. And, and that's the one that I live by. Well, uh, what I just, you know, as a, as an aside, what I'm finding is in these very, very difficult times we are living in, it's not so much anymore, uh, believe it or not, left or right, Republican versus Democrat, as much as it is those who seek to do good and to be better and those who don't. It's not that they always succeed, but if people are are choosing to do good rather than evil, then they are united by something. What do you think about that? Well, good, good is a very powerful, 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 powerful word. Jesus said only God is good. And people will introduce me. I've had this happens all the time. My wife and I, I'll be out speaking or someplace, and people, oh, that's Bear Wozniak. He's that real nice guy. And I go, no, I'm not. I go, yeah, yeah, you're that nice guy. You have that motorcycle TV show and the radio show on EWTN. And I go, no, I'm not a nice guy. Well, yeah, you are. And I go, no, I hope to be a good man, but I'm not a nice guy. And uh, and uh-huh. so there's a real difference, I think, in that. Uh, you know, women have come so far since I was a young young man in seeing them uh, establish themselves in new uh, ways and stronger ways. And men, on the other hand, have kind of kind of like that 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 that, that uh, picture of Homer. Uh, Simpson backing into the bush, you know, and so one of my challenges is to challenge men to be good men to us, to step into the fray, and don't be afraid if what you say uh, people may take offense to, not that you want to be offensive, but you need to be able to speak your mind, that's why I admire what you're doing. Touche, and that's what we're all about here. Uh, It's not words that are dangerous, it's actions that are uh, done without personal responsibility. I'm looking in okay. these notes of yours, Bear, and this one kind of, uh, what we are going to talk about, and, and you you uh, did the segue beautifully, is this book you wrote, Deep Adventure Ministry, A Guide to Manliness. But in the pre, uh, pre-show notes I was given, I thought it was interesting. It said, the crisis of toxic masculinity and ways to combat it. Um, I'm going to push back on that and say that to call masculinity toxic is what's so toxic. Uh, I agree. Are you? Yeah. I would restate that because the culture is trying to... Those aren't my words. I don't know who said that, but those aren't my words. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Well... um, I'm sorry, Karen. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue is actually the name of the book. And I, when people call me, they'll say, tell us about masculinity. And I go, I don't talk about that. Yeah, you're the guy who talks about masculinity. No, I talk about manliness. You know, let's just talk, let's just be honest. What, what does it mean to be manly and what doesn't it mean to be manly? And, and, and quit uh, trying to, uh, because masculinity, that word has been so co-opted. And so in this book, I focus on the four classic virtues of Socrates, you know, Plato and Aristotle, and then the three theological virtues uh, of, of Scripture, of faith, hope, and love. So prudence, justice, self-mastery, fortitude, and faith, hope, and love. And I focus on that because when you, when you focus on these virtues and you make your decisions along these lines of these virtues, life becomes much more simple. Uh, it, it doesn't make it easier but there's a much more of an ease in making decisions, and decisions are the first step towards um, moving forward in your will uh, to speak boldly. And the charioteer of the virtues is the virtue of prudence. And the definition of prudence is to seek the good, going back to your 
original statement in, in every situation. And honestly, it's really often not that hard to find what the true good is. What happens is we get tripped up when we try to be clever and how to, how to work our way around uh, what the true good is instead of just being bold. And I'm so proud, Karen, of you and the people that I see now, especially these we know we have something in my ministry. We have the man cave for the man in the school of manliness at deepadventure.com, but we have the mama bears too. And now uh, I see they're calling these women that are standing up in the school meetings mama bears. And I used to have a cabin in Montana, and there's no nothing more ferocious than a mama bear protecting her, her cubs. So, um, right. yeah, I think men and women need to start making being bold. I mean, if you, if you, the reason, only reason you need prudence is just you're going to be bold. If you just can sit around and do nothing and just yell at the TV, then you don't need anything. Bear, you you uh, rattled off these virtues very quickly. I would love if you would go back and say them nice and slow so people can hear them and kind of digest those a little bit. Would well, there's the, the, the first virtue I mentioned was is prudence, seeking the true good in every situation. And uh, then there was justice, which is given to each person what they have do from you. And then uh, there's a temperance, which I call self-mastery, because temperance has such a, a bad connotation, which is, um, you know, being able... To, uh, for, for me, I don't want to be driven by my passion. I've been introduced like that, too. This is the man who follows his passions. He's a skydiver. He's a pilot. He's run with the bulls of Pamplona, bicycle across the United States, paddle these great ocean crossings. And I go, I, no, I don't follow my, I don't, I don't follow my passions. No, I do not do that. I'm not driven by passion, but I am led by desire. And the word desire means to look up to the stars, you know, and, and to be, and to, and to seek that, that, that higher uh, yearning that man has for the good. And so um, self-mastery is, is not sublimating your passion, but it's actually just seeking and letting your focus be on something something above like my wife and i when we tandem surf you know i lift her over my head when we tandem and she jumps into that lift uh when we when we tandem surf her i can tell when she her eyes move there's every lift there's 45 very extreme lifts that we do while we surf there's certain places her eyes are supposed to look when we do that lift and if her eyes move and i'm not the only professional tandem surfer will tell you this I can tell when her eyes move up or down or left or right because there's a shift in her balance. And so it's our focus, looking upwards, following the upward yearning instead of being driven by passion. It's totally two different things. And then the, and then the fourth is coraggio or, or fortitude, which is just when I, when I paddled my, my surfboard across the Molokai Channel, one of the most treacherous channels in the world here, about 30 miles between Molokai and Oahu, it was, it was just one paddle stroke at a time. And when I pedaled across the United States, it was one pedal stroke at a time. The fortitude is just doing one more of anything. And then, of course, there's the virtues of faith, hope, and love, which is really how you infuse the cardinal virtues of, of Aristotle with, with, with the power of God uh, to be able to do those. Wow. That's a lot of stuff. Man, you gave us a lot to think about <laughs> thus far. Um, just so wonderful. So uh, what would you say to people who are watching, men and women? I've been commenting and reading about this. I mean, writing about it for a long time. The attack on masculinity and the demonization of men uh, affects women and men because the dirty little secret is women love and want strong men. So That's what tough. would you yeah. say? What would you say to both who are well, concerned? Well, first of all, I hate it when I hate it when I, and you're right, wherever I go speak, there'll be a, a you know, I speak mainly to men because I know if I'm focusing on speaking to the men, the message is gritty enough and real enough that the women are already like, yeah, they're already there. They tend to be more like kindling, and the men like big oaks. It takes them a while to warm up. But we get surrounded by women. They go, "Well, you please tell our men to be, to be, uh, to be men again." But what I don't like, and it makes me throw up, is when men say, "Well, it's not fair." You know, this toxic masculinity. Uh, you know, the women have taken over this, this, and that, and this and that, and they sound like a, a weakling. They sound like a victim. And the reality is, if if you've been pushed out of your place where you think is your your what the place in in 
the kuleana, as we say in Hawaii, that God has given you, then you let it happen. And you need to be, you need to make a stand. One of the things about men is they shouldn't move. You know, when my, my kids, when they're, when they're younger, they would pull all different directions. My job was to be that light, that lighthouse on the rock that never moved. So they would know how far they had drifted from, from that core value that I taught them as a father. So the big thing about men is they, they shouldn't be so easily moved. They're not a victim. It's their fault that they're letting it happen. And not only do you not need to not move, but you need to start taking back the ground that men have lost. And I don't mean in some macho, uh, macho way. I mean just in servant leadership, stepping forward and laying down your life. Uh, laying down your life? What do you mean? Well, it's 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 an act of it's an act of uh, self donation. You know, prudence is seeking the true good. Saint Thomas Aquinas said that love is love is is uh, I guess it was John Paul II said the words uh, Aquinas said seeking the true good in every situation. John Paul II said it's love is some is called self donation. So when you see the true good and you need to move in it, then you donate yourself to that cause, not oh. your cause, but to give that of cause. yourself. In other words, yes. So when you you're a popular conference speaker, it says, and of course, I'm sure people love all of the adventure quests and the retreats and all that. Um, you should never have to uh, uh, censor yourself in what you believe. But what do you do when you get people who are not Christians who who you talk to, and you're using a lot of Christian references? Um, what do you do about that? I think it takes wisdom, you know, to use, to use uh, my job is to guide vital truths around people's roadblocks. And so if I'm not going to speak to them uh, in language they can't understand, I'm going to speak to them. That's why I think uh, starting out by speaking about the four cardinal virtues of, you know, that we talked about, the justice, self-mastery, temperance, and prudence. If you can start a dialogue there, but it's, it's not backing down, but it's also... Um, being very uh, listening very carefully to the other person, asking them a lot of que- asking them questions, not interrogating them, but asking them, well, what do you think, and and uh, and why do you why do you think like that? To tell me more about that. It's so important for you to, for ourselves to be to learn something from everybody, right? And so to learn what what their thoughts are. But for so many people, and you know it's true, there is this atheistic um, approach to life now that's become kind of the cool thing to be. And I just think there's going to come a time when these younger kids that have fallen into this atheistic mindset are going to find that the, the emperor isn't wearing any clothes, that, that they're, they're, they're not finding fulfillment in their life, and they're going to want it to have truth. But you're not going to be able to start with telling them, what this is what the Bible says. You have to start at the point of reason. And that's what, that's what Peter said. Be prepared with the reason for your hope. Well, God gave us, what, what I'm you know, suggesting is... Faith and reason. He gave us a rational soul. What I'm suggesting, though, is that these things that you're talking about have universal appeal and relevance regardless of the particular faith or not faith that you have. Um, And so, you know, not to make uh, an assumption that, for example, everybody's a Christian is is kind of helpful. Listen, we have to rush off. Tell everybody where they can find your book and what a fascinating well, segment this was. Yeah, we would encourage people to see our TV show, our motorcycle-based TV show, where we ride in a pack around the country uh, on Prime Video, the Armed Forces Network, and EWTN. That's Long Ride Home with Bear Wozniak. My book is Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue, the, the new book that just came out. You can find that at uh, our website, deepadventure.com. And that's Wonderful. where men can we gotta run. Man cave full of manliness. Aloha, Thank Karen. you, Bear Wozniak. We so appreciate okay. it. Go out and get his book. We got to take a quick break. We'll have another guest right after this, so don't go away. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Gadoline. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. 
Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Well, welcome back, everyone, to this Tuesday edition of Spouting Off. Here on 1590 AM WSMN, I'm Karen Cataline. Always a pleasure and honor to be with you. We have with us somebody who, uh, boy, he's been on the speaking circuit for a very long time, and he is an economics expert, professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, a featured columnist at Newsmax, The Hill, Western Journal, and Town Hall. His name is... Michael Bussler, and uh, when the final numbers of 2021 are in, we're likely to find that the annual growth was pretty unimpressive, and a lot of people are very worried about inflation today. We've got the guy, Dr. Michael Bussler, to talk about it. Welcome to the program, Dr. Bussler. We appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me, Karen. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to be with you, and I can hear that just the tinge of New Jersey accent or New York. I'm not sure which. I lived in Weehawken for about nine years, so uh, 13 years, actually, whatever it was. And uh, I, it, it always is a nice, warm feeling when I hear that just that hint of an accent. So, Dr. Bustler, yeah. uh, along with all the other ills that we are seeing in the Biden administration, is a kind of a runaway inflation that not only seems that the administration doesn't really care about, it doesn't appear as if they are very compassionate about people whose dollars are not going as far as they used to, but they seem to be doing things to continue to make it worse and worse and worse. What are your thoughts on this? I'll tell you, Karen, I would agree with you. It doesn't appear that um, inflation is a uh, problem that's high on President Biden's list. So let's take a look at where we are and where we're, we're likely to be. Um, all of the numbers aren't in for 2021 yet. However, um, I estimate that growth for the year will be about five and a half percent. That's actually the best year in growth that we've had since uh, 1984. So that's good. Also, the unemployment rate is down under 4%. Most would say that's a full employment level. That's good. Now, on the bad side, the inflation rate for the year was 7%. And um, I don't think it's going to go down. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to get worse this this year. Now, why do I say that? So the president and, and the Federal Reserve both believe that the inflation is somewhat temporary. They used to we use the word transitory. Now they're saying it's going to last a little bit longer. But they're essentially saying the reason we have inflation is there's disruptions in the supply chain. And when the economy is growing and demand is increasing and you get a reduction in supply, you're going to end up with higher prices. They believe that as soon as the supply chain issues are resolved, which they're saying is probably in the next six months or so, inflation will uh, go away. I disagree with that. And the reason is there are four other reasons why we have inflation other than supply chain disruptions. First off, I don't believe supply chain disruptions in the total sense are causing that much of the inflation. Now, why do I say that? As of last July, the economy is producing more goods and services than they did before the pandemic. So in total, the supply is not being affected. Now, certain markets are being affected, um, automobiles, uh, there's some food and some things that are delivered um, by truck. They're all being affected. But by and large, I believe that's adding very little to the inflation. So why do we have such high inflation? Well, again, I think there are four reasons. Number one, 
the Biden administration would like to wean the country off of fossil fuels and toward renewable energy. To do that, they've restricted the supply of fossil fuels. They canceled the Keystone Pipeline. You can't drill on federal lands anymore. You can't drill off the coast of Alaska. When you're restricting the supply at a time when demand is growing because the economy of the U.S. and the world is recovering, the economies are recovering, you're going to end up with higher prices. Higher energy prices will continue going forward because the administration will continue to restrict the supply of those. And as a result, the price will continue to go up. Not only does that impact how much we pay for gasoline, heating oil, et cetera, but manufacturers pay more for energy to produce the product. So their costs go up. Even retailers are paying more because most of their goods are brought in by truck and trucking rates are two or three times what they were before the pandemic. So we're going to continue to have energy inflation. Secondly, we're going to continue to have wage inflation. Why? Even though the economy is producing more than before the pandemic, we're doing it with roughly three and a half million fewer workers. And these workers just are not going back to, to work. Now, we'll debate why that is. But the bottom line is they're not going back. Well, In could order it be to, because the government is paying them to sit home, more to sit home exactly, than to work? That's exactly what, what I would say. Many of the, the people that aren't going back to work, they're either primarily under 25 or over 55. The over 55 is nervous about the virus. They're very vulnerable, so they don't not are eager to go back. The under 25s, and I don't have hard data on this, but the ones that I talk to tell me, they say, look, I haven't worked for the last year and a half. They've extended my unemployment benefits for up to a year and a half. They added $600 a week to whatever I was getting for unemployment. When that ran out, they changed it to $300 a week. Now that has, has run out, but that was as much or more than I was making working. In addition to that, the federal government handed out stimulus money to everybody, whether you were negatively impacted by the virus or not. Most of these students tell me, as long as this money lasts, they kind of like not working and getting paid for it. So as long as this money lasts, and by the way, they tell me most of them haven't paid their rent on their apartment either, and they can't get evicted uh, because there's moratoriums that are just being lifted now. So as long as this money holds out, they're not going back to work until the, the money runs out. To get them to come back, business has had to offer higher starting wages. So if somebody should get paid, let's say, $15 an hour to start, you, you can't get them to work. So you have to say, I'll pay a $20 an hour. Well, then the guy who's been working there a year or two making $20 an hour says, hey, I'm worth $5 more than a new guy I want to raise. So you end up with this wage inflation, and that will worsen this year because when organized labor goes to um, negotiate a wage increase, they're going to say, hey, inflation was 7% last year. I need 9% wage increase just to keep up with and stay ahead of inflation. Well, that drives up labor costs by 9%. Business has to raise their prices further. That wage inflation leads to what we call a wage price spiral that is very dangerous. So reason number two, wage inflation. The other two reasons, which I think have the most impact on inflation, are caused by excess demand. What's causing those? The federal government has deficit spent nearly $6 trillion more than they received in revenue in the last two years. On a $22 trillion economy, that's pure inflation. And not only will that not stop, the Biden administration would like to pass even more spending. So that's likely to get worse. And the last reason, which to me is shockingly irresponsible, the Federal Reserve has kept expanding the money supply and keeping interest rates near zero, even though the economy is growing at the fastest pace in um, decades. Um, so what the Federal Reserve should have done was back in this past March, they should have reversed their policy and started raising interest rates. Now, why do I say that? Historically, or the last decade at least, the consumer price index, which is, in my view, the best measure of inflation at the consumer level, the consumer price index usually goes up a tenth or two per month. So over a 12-month period, it goes up maybe two, two and a half percent, and that's where it's been for the last eight, ten years. This year, in January, the CPI went up three-tenths of a percent. In February, four-tenths of a percent. 
In March, six-tenths of a percent. In April, eight-tenths of a percent. The Federal Reserve should have seen back then the economy was growing the first half of this year at a six and a half percent annual rate. Inflation was looking like it was going to be a problem. They should have reduced their bond buying program and started to raise interest rates back then. Because they waited so long, that created so much excess demand in the economy that it caused much of the inflation. For instance, um, in specific markets that are interest rate sensitive, like the housing market, somebody said, you know, I wasn't really considering buying a new house this year, but I can get a two and a half percent mortgage and the federal government gave me enough stimulus money to cover the down payment. I'm going to go into the market to buy a house. So with all that increase in demand in the housing market, housing prices are going literally through the, the roof. Same thing in the car market, excess demand. You can get a car loan at 0% interest. The government gave you money for down payment. I don't need a new car this year, but this is the best time to buy. So people start looking to buy new cars and you get excess demand there. So let me just wrap up by saying there are four other reasons why we have inflation. Um, Energy inflation, wage inflation, excess government spending, and a very loose monetary policy. I think inflation this year will probably hit 8%. I think the Federal Reserve is going to have to react more drastically, probably by March or April, and they'll start pushing interest rates up. I believe interest rates will be about one and a half percent higher next year at this time than they are now. All right. So here's my (laughs) $68,000 question after that incredibly articulate, clear, uh, you know, professorial explanation here, because you are a professor, um, and that's this. Wouldn't it be incredibly naive to think that all of this is accidental? All of this is what? Accidental. That they just don't know what they're doing. Wouldn't that just be incredibly naive Rather than, and uh, I realize we're dealing in speculation with someone who is a finance expert, but um, it, it, it doesn't go far enough if you don't start asking, why are they doing this? I'm not suggesting Joe Biden, the presidential potted plant, thought this up on his own, <laughs> but the left uh, is getting exactly what they want, aren't they? They are cheering inflation. They are cheering people staying home and not working. They are cheering uh, the destruction of the free market economy. Your thoughts? Um, I I can understand you're taking that position. I really hope it's not exactly the way it is. But there's certainly a lot of evidence supporting your (laughs) position. I think what the, the issue really is, is when we normally set monetary or fiscal policy we're concerned about reaching the economic goals, which are stable prices, low inflation, full employment, get the unemployment rate as low as possible, and economic growth. So the policy should be geared toward those three goals. Instead, right. fiscal policy and maybe even monetary policy is geared to cure real or perceived social injustices. It's injustice that people don't have health care. It's injustice CEOs make so much money. I think that's just an excuse. But, yeah, that's what they're telling you. But the problem is if if you don't address the motive or at least explore the motive, because nobody can divine motive, although juries do it every day, when you see the same policies over decades Whenever Democrats have gotten in control, they spend us into oblivion. They print money into oblivion. They want as many people dependent on the government as possible. And they want to shut down our own energy uh, and keep us dependent on foreign oil, et cetera, et cetera. They always have the same plans. And yet somehow it doesn't ever reach the intellectual class that this could be might probably is deliberate. You know, Karen, you bring up some good points. So um, with the energy sector, 
the president would say it's more important that we shift away from fossil fuels than have a little bit of inflation. So if we have to deal with some energy inflation, they would say that's okay because that'll encourage people to buy electric cars. Pete Buttigieg was interviewed um, and he said, well, what are you going to do about this rising gasoline price? It's really hurting everybody. His answer was, well, if they bought electric cars, they wouldn't have to worry about uh, gasoline right, prices. so they could be stuck on a freeway in the middle of a a blizzard <laughs> and freeze to death because there's no electricity to keep their heater on. Um, yeah, you know what? But, I'm 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 kind of toying with you a little bit because I'm not as uh, well, you know, because that's what I speak to. I have a couple of minutes left, and I want to leave time for you, Dr. Michael Bustler, so knowledgeable, so articulate, to give us some advice out here. People who are watching this were saying these are things beyond our control. If you're looking at an 8% inflation next year that you're predicting and you know whereof you speak, what sort of advice would you give to the average consumers looking at this freaking out right now? So it's very difficult for the average consumer. So here's a couple things I would say. Part of the reason inflation continues is because people allow it to continue. In other words, under normal circumstances, I buy something for $10. I've been buying it for years. I go back and it's $11. Under normal circumstances, a consumer would say, wow, that's a 10% increase since I bought it last month. I'm not paying that. I'm going to look for an alternative. Do I really need this? Is there something else I, I could do? And you're resistant to price increases. Once you get into an inflation psychology and you see the price went from 10 to 11, you start thinking, I better buy it today before the price gets higher tomorrow. Well, once you get in that psychology, that leads into more inflation. So I would say, first off, if prices are going up, if there's some way you can um, avoid buying as much of that product, Try to cut back on your consumption. I know with gasoline, things are very difficult with the lifestyles we have, et cetera. But try not to pay those high, higher prices. That's number one. Number two, who, who ends up coming out ahead during inflation? It's holders of capital goods. So what does that mean? If you own a, a house, for instance, your house will go up in value, most likely, up in value more than the inflation rate. So you'll be coming out ahead, or at least not as bad as you would have been. So if you own a house, you're in pretty good shape, and you'll see the price of that house go up. If you can put some money away into the stock market, into your retirement plan, your 401k, the stock market tends to also outperform inflation. So my advice would be try to resist price increases. Uh, If you own a, a house, that's good. If you can put some money away uh, into the stock market or your retirement account, I would do that, too, because that's going to tend to go up in value faster. Other than that, the only thing you can do is pressure the federal government to stop causing inflation. And you can do that at the ballot box, um, perhaps as early as this November. Oh, that's great. And, you know, I'm glad we got to that. We have only about a minute left. How can people find you, follow you, Dr. Michael Bussler? Surely. So um, I tweet out every one of my columns at mbusler. That's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. If you have a Facebook page, search for Funding Democracy. Funding Democracy. I have a page there. I post every column. I'd be happy if anybody followed me. Thank you, Dr. Michael Bussler. We've got to wrap it up there. And thank you for your time, sir. We appreciate it. Well, that about does it. That about does it for us here on Spouting Off. We'll see you back here on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thanks to everyone that makes Spouting Off possible. And uh, we'll see you Thursday when there will be so much to spout off about here on Spouting Off.